Yeah, you know, just avoiding the State of the Union to talk about Kate Can't Swim. I, I think we made the right choice tonight. Yeah, I was like, if you're going to somehow twist this into a complaint, then <laughs> I don't even think I need to have a response. I'll just let that hang there in the air. <laughs> Isn't that how we end the podcast as opposed to begin it? Man, we've been on a roll lately. I've been loving it. Get to about the 28-minute mark. <laughs> it's like I'm uh, <laughs> reaching for the eject button. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Chris, dance, monkey, dance, do something funny. Time to wrap up the show. <laughs> One last zinger. So, yeah. Uh, wait for it, dear listeners. It's coming for Kate Can't Swim. Hello, and welcome to Projecting Film, the podcast where movies meet. I'm your host, Michael Denniston. Now, on this episode, me and my co host, Chris Maynard, take a look at writer, director, and actor Josh Hellman's. Feature length debut as a director, Kate Can't Swim. As you'll see in our discussion, I knew nothing about this film, and Chris at least had seen the trailer, which we're going to play for you before we try to pitch this new indie film with two other similar movies. And I know you've listened to some previous episodes. I promise you, this time, we are strangely on point. I don't know how I felt about that. Hopefully you feel good enough about this episode that you will check out. Kate Can't Swim had a lot of fun with this one and keep supporting independent film. Here's the trailer. After that, our discussion. Adam came back to town early. Uh, No, she's dating a man now. They invited us upstate for the weekend. After you get what you want, you don't want it. Oh, it's good to see sweet Em. If I gave you the moon, you'd grow <laughs> tired of it. So don't ever make me Every miss you again. I will try. <laughs> Thank you to our hosts. This is what's really important, you know. Very old friends. And very new friends. First, we should probably talk about the movie, though. Please, please don't oversell it. I mean, that's that's the worst thing we could do is just promise an ending we can't possibly deliver. I'll oversell the movie a little bit. Man, did I hate this for about, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes, 50, an hour. <laughs> <laughs> did you come around eventually? I did. I thought I had a gr- – I loved the ending. Like, I mean, it's, um, it's probably not going to uh, bear out in my pick. 
I could have gone far meaner, and I don't mean meaner like being cruel to this uh, this piece of art that a lot of people probably really cared about to make. I'm talking about you could pick some really cruel movies because this character, uh, Kate, lead character, not so likable. Does some fairly reckless things. Yeah, and I think that's when it really amps up. That's when I get into the movie. So, uh, but that's not where I went. I, I just. I'm trying to think. I don't think we exchanged years, or maybe I gave you a year, but I have no idea where you're going. So maybe you went mean with this one as far as trying to pitch this movie to our listeners, saying, <laughs> here's something incredibly foul with despicable people. Hit me with it, Chris. Uh, yeah, actually, I guess I, I went a little bit more on that level to some degree. Uh, do you want me, Do you want me to start tonight, then? Sure, because I, uh, I, I'll have the nice movie. I'll have the sweet one. Well, I, I went with uh, 2014. I went with the one I love. With uh, Elizabeth Moss and Mark Duplass. Okay, so we're going to be uh, really on point here. This, this actually, we should probably shut down the show. I think this will be the most <laughs> on point we've ever been. Because uh, my pick was uh, 2012, as far as when it actually made it out to, I guess, limited theatrical after playing on the festival circuit uh, in fall 2011, is your sister's sister. Oh, so sure. We're all about. Uh, Couples, uh, in your case, like, you know, literal couples, like the same couples, <laughs> you know, hashing out their problems. And uh, with mine, it's got the family dynamic, obviously, in the title. But, yeah, the, the tight quarters and uh, really forcing people to confront, I guess, their, their feelings about people that they're supposed to be close to. So pretty similar picks here. Yours are just well, a little bit icier. Well, I just uh, I guess the theme I was going with that vacation ruins relationships. I think that was a War Machine versus War Horse episode. That actually probably might be five or six different episodes. <laughs> we just kept going back to that old chestnut. <laughs> really liked a vacation with our families and said we just podcast. Obviously, the saver choice. But it's uh, it's this idea that I like. You were talking about this sort of extreme pressure that you feel of being in, you know, kind of this idyllic setting of a cabin where it's very pretty outside, and you're by the lake, and it has all this promise and. But then you're just left up there with each other, just staring at your problems. And a lot of ugly shit can come to the surface during that process. And they're not scared of that in um, any of these films we chose, actually. Yeah. Why Why would people uh, think that going to a cabin uh, with your loved ones would be any different than a slasher movie? Because even in these... <laughs> Even these these relationship dramas, it's the the same thing. There's someone that is sort of stalking their their previous happiness and is going to force the truth out into the open. And I guess it's Kate here in this one. Uh, I mean, she's sort of dooms herself in a way. I mean, she's her own worst enemy. But uh, yeah, she's she's the instigator of of things of of pretty much all of her. Uh, various, I guess, downfalls with her, in this case, her best friend and uh, her boyfriend. It is, I guess it's a sort of downfall, but it's almost more like she's owning up to who she was. I, I have a feeling she had all this, you know, they sort of set that up in the beginning that she has this unhappiness and sort of ill at ease feeling in her life, you know, by the, the way she's writing and it can sort of be portrayed as, or taken as just writer's block where she's just kind of procrastinating, waiting for something to happen in her life. It feels like. And so I think Boy, she when makes she's... something happen, <laughs> <laughs> she fixed that real quick. <laughs> yeah. She, she makes a lot of things happen. It's not just one choice. 
that that's one thing I really liked about the film um, is how uncomfortable she is with those close to her uh, making choices and surprising choices. Like, you know, it, it's it's almost parental in a way. There's this weird relationship she has with her uh, her her friend who like she really sort of has set in her mind like oh you're you're a lesbian and then when her friend's like no i'm dating a a guy like there's this sort of quirky little exchange about his his name like oh that's a funny name for a for a woman and she Mm -hmm. reveals no she's dating a man a a former model an australian photographer former model so uh, well i mean they they got the guy for the part he's he's all right he's not a uh, (laughs) He's a little, you know, not too bad on the eyes, I guess. The accent's a little much, and uh, I don't know. He's always, I tell you what, his, I don't like his smirk. Uh, what is this actor's name here? Uh, he's in the X Men movies, right? Oh uh, yeah, okay, yeah. I, uh, Josh something, I can't remember um, offhand, but I think that's it. Yeah, I'm he's oh, Colonel William Stryker. So he's like the. Uh, is he like the younger version of Brian Cox? That doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> I don't think he, <laughs> he didn't shrink that much into that, <laughs> that disgusting wretch of a man. <laughs> Jesus, lay off Mr. Cox. <laughs> Sir Brian Cox, let's take it easy, my friend. Well, I mean, Sir Brian Cox is, I don't think he's ever, <laughs> he was never going to play the Richard Gere role in Pretty Woman. <laughs> It was gonna be it was gonna be the original script, like three thousand, where it's dirty old man buying a prostitute. <laughs> the original Hannibal strikes again. Uh anyway, I was about to make fun of way uh, the way this uh, Australian model uh looks. Uh and then I don't like his uh bemused expression. And it really works in the film because Kate here uh, sees him as a threat uh and finds him totally untrustworthy. And you know what? In this film he does give her some good reason to kind of come across as a bit of a creep. I, I, yeah, I would agree. The, uh, the scene where the, <laughs> I guess it's sort of the anti Titanic portrait scene, um, that they have their little back and forth between each other. Um, where he's trying to enrage her to get the, like the best <laughs> exactly. angry face. It's not really going to hang as well, uh, as his various nudes he's got of his ex-girlfriends just hanging around the house. I don't know if she'll, she might get like a spot on the attic wall or something, or maybe above the, the toilet. But yeah, that is definitely like him trolling her. Um, as I said, um, when this movie, when they finally let the characters get mean, I got into it. Was that the moment where you said, oh, you kind of sit up in your seat a little bit and kind of paid a little bit closer attention at that point? Uh, it might have been a little. It might have been a little bit earlier than that because I think you you definitely get the idea. Okay, Kate's gonna do something destructive here. Uh, to to, <laughs> to at least one of these relationships, uh, if not all. I mean, she is she is <laughs> she is the the Tom Brady of relationship <laughs> destroyers here. She is just you know un, unparalleled here as far as how efficient and how quick she is with her short little jabs at these people. But you know, I'm to set up the film a little bit more for people, you know, the first, I don't know, 15 minutes, it felt like I was just watching sort of millennial layabouts in particular Kate character. Like she blows off this, uh, important 
dinner meeting. I didn't really understand that with her her boyfriend. Like, I don't. It seemed like he was interviewing for a job. I don't know why. Yeah, it was. They uh, had an interview, and she was supposed to come along. The idea was to see if they were both be willing to commute to, uh, or move to Seattle for this position that they were considering him for. Yeah, clearly they, they wanted... don't know Kate. She's got nothing going on, so <laughs> she's good. She, she had booze. Yeah, throw her drunk ass in the car, and then. She'll wake up and she'll figure it out. She'll find a bar. But uh, <laughs> as you can tell, I love Kate. I think, like, I would love. Oh, no, I, I know you see her as the hero of the film. I do. I do. I'm probably totally misreading uh, young <laughs> Colonel William Stryker, who directed this film. <laughs> I'm totally not getting it the way I should, but I would love an entire series of Kate Can't, where she just. <laughs> Like a Christmas version, you know, she goes to the, the family dinners and just destroys things. And uh, like the, it, this would be my, you know, version of National Lampoon's like vacation series is Kate Cant. I would love it. Um, I, I went into this movie with a little bit of prejudice by having seen the trailer ahead of time and knowing who the director was. I kind of thought it would be a little bit more gazing about this relationship with mm-hmm. Kate and this idea. And it was, I was so happy that it wasn't that. Um, yeah, I was pleasantly surprised <laughs> with the direct direction that it took. And I hope that people will, um, avoid the trailer for this film because I think it is intentionally misleading. Um, and it's good <laughs> after you see the film, that trailer, cause it, you can see what it, could mess with people as far as they have an expectation for the film and then what they're actually delivered something completely different. So I'm happy that it will do that to some people. Um, but it might, it might turn off some people that would really enjoy it. Well, as well that's, though. that's why we're here for once. You know, this is not, uh, me recommending Blair witch Two for this <laughs> strange little documentary on Russian car crashes for once. You know, I think we're pretty accurate as far as you like these two movies this is what you're going to get. Um, it's obviously not as high concept as, as yours, which I think a lot of people, very would, few would, things are. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, you know, you get into if you, maybe like a James Cameron movie or something but <laughs> on that scale, probably not. Um, but to, to pick on mine uh, a little bit, which I guess uh, when you have, Mark Duplass, uh, I think, you know, you're talking about expectations for Kate Can't Swim. Uh, I also don't want people to think that this is uh, kind of uh, quirky or cute, which I think you no, can kind no. of accuse like the mumblecore stuff of being. And mainly that's his persona and his involvement is he just, I think he has a hard time playing like a total douchebag, unlike <laughs> Josh Hellman he's, here. He's a pretty good douchebag, a different kind of douchebag in the one I love, though. And that he's ignorant, like that he's yes. sort of ignorant of his, his wife's needs. <laughs> Any need. Well, in, in that film, it's, uh, you know, he, he kind of, he, he's his mutant power to just keep harping on the X-Men thing <laughs> is he's able to always uh, sort of have the reaction that he's the one that's been victimized in a way. He's able to turn it. <laughs> and also you're going up against Elizabeth. Moss, you know, she's just the way she delivers any line, she's going to come across as like the stronger character, the stronger person. So it does kind of force her to look like the villain. And he just has that, the, the who me mad magazine look <laughs> that Mark Duplass is famous for. Um, I think that uh, comparing it to 
uh, well, both of our films, but thinking of mine, uh, you know, your sister, sister really hinges on, uh, crossing uh, a boundary. Like, you know, he's got this f- very strong friendship that's, uh, turned into a crush. Uh, and the high concept there is he sleeps with, uh, his best friend's, uh, lesbian sister. And then it becomes this sort of, I don't know, uh, Duplass action movie, Race Against the Clock. <laughs> 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 to try to get, get all of his affairs in order and uh, hopefully still still score with uh, Emily Emily Blunt as you know mm-hmm. the American Dream there. None of that is in Kate Can't Swim. Like yeah, I don't think you ever expect. Uh, actually, they don't even really give you enough time for Kate to get her affairs in order. The only the only affair she's trying to get in order is to knock the dominoes down. Like <laughs> this is one big game of mousetrap. So well, I did it, like that. It's really interesting. They spend a good hour setting up the characters and sort of developing the relationships and firmly planting <laughs> their feet so that Kate can just come along and knock everybody down. And I, it's really brilliant that once it gets its momentum rolling, it just she steamrolls through the whole goddamn thing. Were you familiar with this uh, actress? No, not at all, actually. I want to butcher uh, her last name, Celeste uh, Arias. I don't know. She's in the post. Uh, and the big six, so she's had a really strong year. Um, according to IMDb credits, has only been uh, working for like the last handful of years. So an up and comer here, and she's this is one of those great roles that you know if she continues to get bigger and bigger parts, I think people are going to come back to and be like, aha, that's that's where it started. Because this is this for a young actress, this is just like there's a lot to sink your teeth into here. Or this will this end up being sort of the uh her queen of earth uh, on the Elizabeth Moss thing, where it's just this one that for some reason nobody paid attention to, and it's one of her best performances. Well, she doesn't have uh, she doesn't she can play you know Peg in Mad Men, where people were like, oh, I don't want to see her <laughs> unhinged because you know that's that's the person I was rooting for for seven seasons on television. So I think uh, her being a bit more of an unknown will will help. Um, yeah. Well, I love when we get on projecting film, <laughs> we come to these sort of weird conclusions, given the, the, the indie films that we're trying to focus on, where I'm like, Elizabeth Moss, too big of a star for Queen of Earth. That's why it was rejected. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Alex Ross Perry, that household director that everybody's talking about outside of the indie world. I mean, not really, but they should be. Queen of Earth would have been another one we could have gone to. I thought about it, but I thought that it was um, sort of th- th- that version of that Polanski thing mm-hmm. that he was doing with it. Um, it. It's never that tense here. And I felt that would be misleading. And the idea would be to hopefully use things that people had seen. And I think Queen of Earth <laughs> is woefully underseen. <laughs> so I don't think that would help many people out. It's never quite as tense. Uh, you know, Queen of Earth, I mean, she has that epic monologue which i'm very tempted uh and so i don't know i'm sort of talking to future mike when i edit this i'm very tempted to drop that model again even though it's not one of the chosen films because it's so damn good i don't deserve this i just want to be left alone i want to be left alone with the few people who are left in this world who are decent you are weak and greedy and selfish And you are the root of every problem. You 
are why people betray one another. You are why there is nowhere safe or happy anymore. You are why depression exists. You are why there is no escape from indecency and gossip and lies. You, Rich, you are why my father had to die. Because he couldn't live in a world like this. But yeah, you get the feeling maybe she's going to kill somebody in that fucking room. Uh, Kate can't swim. This is just... It's not sitcom level, but it's more in the, uh, maybe like the British office version. It's not as cute. It's that like incredibly awkward, like this feels very real. Like this feels like how things could go very wrong with a friendship in reality. Like I don't ever think Kate's going to slit somebody's throat. Uh, <laughs> but man, does she just, she just moves the chess pieces around and just puts them in the, <laughs> the worst possible situations. I mean, not, I, I won't go into, too much detail about it but like is the worst sort of like hey something awesome just happened announcement for two of the characters <laughs> <laughs> to then just be completely kneecapped as soon as they come in the room and i found it hilarious i <laughs> thought it was fantastic um i i i had a feeling that might be your read on it i don't think that was the intention oh man do you know how i i, I probably rewound that uh, like four or five times and just was howling. I got up, Chris. Uh, I skipped the gym this morning. I've been, uh, getting up. I've been setting my alarm for 4 a.m. And instead, I was like, okay, I got, we got to get this one in. And, uh, I haven't watched this yet. So I'm going to turn this on and hopefully it won't, it won't suck ass. Cause if it sucks ass, I'm going to go to the gym and better myself. But if it's good, I'm going to be lazy and uh do nothing for myself so that's how good this movie was that it was like even with me thinking like oh, okay i've got this pegged uh i was watching this at five in the morning and going back and uh just howling with laughter at this uh <laughs> this very beautiful moment between two we've, people we've added and yet another emoji to our rating scale it'll be what like a a barbell with the anti-symbol going around it we, or something uh, we need uh we need more listeners if I'm going to get on Fiverr for all these different icons that we're trying to, <laughs> trying to, you know, trying to talk to the kids, I guess, with memes or something with our views. <laughs> I don't know why we're in this long form uh, movie conversation that we like with podcasts because we're always so dismissive. Like, yep, no one's paying attention to this. So we got to scribble out <laughs> a barbell <laughs> crossed out. <laughs> And maybe some 12-year-old will get it and watch Kate Can't Swim. <laughs> God, I hope so. <laughs> I really hope that some 12-year-old boy sees this preview and puts it on uh, expecting it to be something like uh, blue is the warmest color or something along those lines. And he gets this, and that just makes my heart so so happy. I have not seen blue is the warmest color because I've, uh, well, I've, I've heard it's uh, pretty boring from a great number of people. Uh, I will get around to it, though. I feel like I should – that's, you know, where it's sort of anointed by Criterion. It's like, oh, that's a medicine movie. Like, I should watch that. Uh, <laughs> but just with that uh, sort of 
uh, preconceived notion of what it is, sight unseen. I'm betting, Chris, there were a lot of 12-year-olds that were really disappointed in that one, too. And uh, they probably bailed and uh, went to, you know, <laughs> U-porn or something to, to get oh, that's their a fix. Good, that's a good point. Yeah, they, they, they don't have the time for that. They have immediate access. So, yeah, it's a different world now. Don't have, don't have to work for it anymore. There's just a bunch of bunch of Kates running around, a bunch of monsters. <laughs> <laughs> so Kate's a millennial. <laughs> <laughs> Look, young, you're really you're really reaching for those poll quotes, aren't you? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm trying to help out young William Stryker here in his uh, feature film. <laughs> Put one of these on the poster, and maybe we'll pick up two downloads. Hell of a first film for him to come out with. Um, I'm really impressed with this. And actually, uh, the direction in particular, as far as the performance he's able to get out and the way he moves the camera. And it's just an impressive film for a first time. I wouldn't have expected it. This is somebody uh, I would like to hear you uh, interview on your show. On Working on films. It. Yeah, you should uh, make that happen. Just for, you know, just like me commissioning. Like, hey, why don't you talk to this guy? Talk to Josh Hellman. Well, a lot of these, that's how it ends up coming together is that you send me in search of something and then I come back and I've booked an interview in the process. Yeah. So. That's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, I don't know what I'm getting out of this necessarily. Cause I'm just like, Hey Chris, you heard of this movie and you're like, Oh, Mike suggested something. This will probably be terrible. And then, <laughs> <laughs> then I'm, I'm thinking that I'm dragging you along, like based on my own whims, like, Hey, there's a Dakota Fanning movie where she's like obsessed with Star Trek. We should do that, Chris. And I just imagine like old man Maynard out in Tucson grumbling, <laughs> and, like smoking. And it's just like, all right, fine. We'll make it happen. Then, uh, you know, I refresh my uh, overcast player and I'm like, oh, he talked to the screenwriter. Well, I hope he's fucking happy with this. I hope he's <laughs> hope he enjoyed himself because <laughs> he didn't seem that amused when I brought it up. But it's fine. It's fine. Well, it's, it's the, with that one in particular, there's certain things. And this was one that I had a little bit of trepidation with it. And I think I actually brought this one to you, um, where you're asking things that, you know, I had been spent recently and this was one of them that, um, I was a little bit nervous about because of the subject matter, um, with that Dakota Fanning film, just autism can be something that I'm not sure either one of us are qualified to talk about with any form of authority without, you know, sure. fucking it up too. Badly. I mean, we, we only and, brought up rain man and then you tried to, <laughs> to back me into a corner, like the feral animal that I am saying that I was defending <laughs> Dustin Hoffman. So we switched gears, you know, me defending the sexual predators in Hollywood yet again. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the theme of this podcast. It's not got anything to do with two movies meeting or supporting indie cinema. It's, uh, who can I support this week? It's eventually we're just going to be pushed into we can only cover lesbian filmmaking. We'll ruin Starring, that too. Starring, directing. They, they don't need us What's on that? their side. They, as soon as we start saying these are the good people in Hollywood, they're done. We, we've cursed them. <laughs> so, Josh Hellman, you are on notice. We liked your first feature. Please behave sorry, responsibly. Sorry about that, Josh. Yeah, you are, uh, yeah you're under surveillance now, apparently. I hope the people of Australia are more forgiving than we are. Uh, that's a yes and no. They drink a lot more, well, right? We, we can't gauge it all by Andrew. I, I wasn't even gauging by him. I was I was thinking more of like, you know, a Crocodile Dundee or, you know, some of those <laughs> other, <laughs> I'm sure, still relevant <laughs> touchstones of their culture. Muriel's Wedding? 
Uh, he Andrew of AB Film Review, just give him a shout out there. Um, he he said, I remember I, I, this one of those things where uh, after we released that episode on War Machine versus Warhorse for Mural's wedding, uh, his comment, the the tweet back underneath it was, <laughs> "Huh, you all have a totally different reading of this film than I ever did." <laughs> And I tell you what, I'm such a good friend to him, and I'm also such a good podcaster that I saw that. I think I hearted the tweet and never asked him what he meant. Just like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> never followed up on that. I don't even remember what our read of the film was. I think it was a lot like Kate Can't Swim, and I'm not just trying to shift it back. I think we both thought that Muriel was an asshole. We loved the roommate so much, and we, uh, yeah, we thought yeah, Muriel was yeah, yeah. terrible. So maybe in Australia. You know what? That's that's excellent. When does Kate Can't Swim? Is it already open in Australia? You know, is this something they would love because they would they would they would think she is the hero and not just in a trollish, dickish way like I do. <laughs> Go Australia. She's legitimate. <laughs> Kate is your Mad Max. She's the real Mad Max. Put me on the poster, Hellman. Come on. <laughs> that's Deniston. With a T, <laughs> projecting film <laughs> at projecting film, please. Is that the end of the episode? Did I, I just I, end I, it? I, I, honestly, you did it to yourself. I was like, it's already done. It was done about thirty seconds ago. Sweet, twenty. I was minutes. intentionally. I was leaving it hanging. I was like, I'm done. I'm good. There we go. No, you, you didn't understand. I was just like. This movie had me so jazzed, Kate, that I was just, I was like just shadow boxing over here. You were just like, you're just holding the bag and you're just like, yeah, all right, whenever, whenever you're done, just playing with yourself over there. <laughs> Kind of started looking at the clock, kind of touching it, going, "All right, he'll, he'll wrap this up any minute now." I see we're at twenty-five, forty-seven, forty-eight. Yeah, you're just like you didn't have video, uh, so I didn't make eye contact during that. That that would have made it weird for both of us. You know, there's it's actually a, it, I think it was internet connect connectivity that pushed us away from actually using video. We used to do that before. There's probably far more honesty now that we're not actually forced to look <laughs> at one true. another when we say this horse shit. Mm-hmm. You had an excellent uh, recording session. That I'm sure I mentioned at the time. Uh, I, it was the only time I ever wished that we had YouTube, and I'm sure no one, uh, even still to this day, wants that. This would have been like the perfect projecting film because your webcam or whatever kept zooming in <laughs> to like the corners of the room and then would back out. It looked like some, it was like a REM video I saw in the early 2000s. Uh, 
the imitation of life. That was the name of it, where it zoomed into different yeah. like, sections of the frame. <laughs> Except I was there was nothing revealing. I wasn't seeing anything cool going on in the background. It would just like go to whatever book was on your like nightstand, and then it would it zoom back out. That random Skype setting that you can put on to auto like, sort of focus on whatever. It's seeing as the particular point of interest in the room, and I guess it was anything but my face <laughs> is what was interesting. 